cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. One more fight, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. Uh, SP Futures. Oh, oh my God! I gotta, I gotta say it. Up 24. Nasdaq Futures up 120. I got these green, green lights on my machine here. I don't, uh, I can't recognize them for the last few days, but uh, they are, they are green today. So, uh, Eliani, I, I hear you. Can you give that traffic report uh, from personal experience this morning? Jesus, God Almighty! I've never experienced this much traffic at this hour. It's usually about like a seven to ten minute trip from my house to here. Thirty-five freaking minutes, man. <laughs> well, you know, if you were to... And by the way, I'm coming from the Diversity California exit, so I'm only five miles away. 35 minutes. Um, <laughs> there are those that would have, the minute I turned on BBM, the first thing they said was, avoid the Kennedy. Some I, truck evidently took out three lanes, and not only that, he, there were some uh, uh, big steel things uh, over holes in the place. They, they tore up the steel things. Yeah, I saw, I saw police cars on the way in, too. I was like, what the hell happened? I would have never, yeah. ever seen it happening. I was like, oh, God. And like yesterday, it was smooth sailing coming into work to, you know, yesterday morning, and then today, I've never seen this much traffic at, the, at that hour in my life. Well, <laughs> they, it, uh, they said, well, guess what? It's already backed up to North Avenue, and within 20 minutes, it'll be backed up uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, I sent Tom a, a, a photo of the speed limit. I was, I was going five miles the whole way. Um... <laughs> What, what part of three lanes closed are uh, you missing? Just saying. I'm so, I wasn't aware of it. <laughs> okay. So you were listening to what? Uh, nothing. Rap, rap music or what? I was listening to nothing. I usually I, mean, I have a pretty quiet morning. I don't listen to anything first thing in the uh, morning. Well, when I come in, the, first, the only thing the only thing bad can happen, well, a lot of things bad can happen, but is that somehow or another the Kennedy shut down. And one out of like 100 days I have to avoid the Kennedy. Because if you don't, I mean, there was, there was one day, where I don't know what happened downtown, but they had couple it was like closed <laughs> yeah it would have been like because once you get in that cave you can't get out oh my god no i couldn't it was we would not budge i was like oh my god it was like, so like okay one lane's gone okay now two now three i was like are you kidding me and yep. i was like oh my god <laughs> well the good news is i mean on, on the weekends you can just open your windows and get high well, i wouldn't be don't be driving under the influence people don't do that it's, you know it's it was so bad on saturday i was driving to stevenson out to orland yeah I opened my windows on because it's warm. It was warm out. Yeah. Now, the uh, the smell was all was on the open expressway, and everybody's driving like idiots. And now I know they're all stoned. That's that's a, that's a great that's a great deal. <laughs> I guess so. Let me just say, now I know why is everybody driving like idiots. Well, they're all stoned. You know, that's <laughs> you know, a nice thing. What do we have? What do we have? We have Kevin. He's we have Kevin. No, we should have Joel. Uh, well, Kevin called in. Um, he called in because he was wondering if we were all dead. Oh, I see. <laughs> but he's here. Well, I, I, I imagine you have Joel coming on, so uh, now call. we have the traffic report. We can get the horse race summary. And yeah. uh, well, why don't you uh, hang until and, uh, until uh, until and, Joel and I, and I can leave you guys alone uh, as soon as you got Joel. Joel how how was your driving this morning? <laughs> <laughs> it was My room? driving is going to be from uh, Edwardsburg to Elkhart. How's that? Ugh. Um, Kevin, that gross. One, that one, I I, I will I. Re- you know, no matter how annoying it is, as I go down County Road 17 with about uh, 100 trucks because we're in a big shipping area, yeah, uh, I will not be mad today. I will think uh, it, it could be worse. 
<laughs> could always be worse. The uh, um, why don't you hang until Joel calls? Because who knows? We might, might be traffic in Detroit. You never know. Uh, what do you make of uh, this this sell-off, Kevin? Um, it's the. Uh, I mean, I know you don't spend your day staring at the market, but it's it's really amazing how it's. You know, it, I can't say that I. Ex- I predicted it because uh, I've been thinking it's been there for like two years. I mean, stuff just got so incredibly high. You know, what's weird is that you see some of the stocks that are just you know pummeled, like a like a Netflix, for instance. Is uh, uh, I've got the thing is uh, where the hell is it? 178 or something? Uh, 174. I'll kick the chart right up here, uh, and it was 600 dollars in January. You know, so the weird part is, it's it's a 17 PE here, 16.9 or something. I looked at one report yesterday. There's like, not one of the the, the, the talking tout idiots on TV that told you to buy it at 600 because it was going to rule the world. All of a sudden, it's just forgotten. All of a sudden, oops, it's it's just repriced. It's a regular company now, just 17 PE. Well, they'll just bump along and maybe at this price, you can make a few bucks. Who knows? They'll pay a dividend maybe. I mean, it's 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 like totally forgotten is that you got owned it at six hundred because now it's one seventy something and it's just okay here. <laughs> and Lululemon saying, "Well, Lululemon's still moving, but it was four hundred. Now it's two ninety two. Like you know, we've always been at war with East Asia. You know, yeah. you just morph right into the next one. Yeah, we're just always in. Uh, you know, and Tesla is now uh, it's seven ninety nine. It was you know you, you had to buy it at a thousand, and now it's under eight hundred. And you know, there's nobody. But it's, it's like, okay, <laughs> and who was the person that, where, where were all the people selling you had it all? I mean, these are all companies, I think, that are, 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 are survivors for sure. I mean, Tesla's more than a survivor. Uh, but, the, you know, things can just get way overpriced. And, uh, and, and, and the weird part is when it's going up, you can always find somebody to tell you to buy it. I mean, there was a, there was a guy on, uh, uh, you know, Thursday night that came on and all he did was talk about how, uh, you know, the market was ridiculously low here, and how or, and how people were just idiots, and it's irritating that people are selling, and you know what's what's going on. And all of a sudden, you see just this reprice everywhere. And uh, Kevin, we're going to switch over to Joel. How about we get you tomorrow, bud? Yeah, we'll see you in the morning. All right, take care of yourself, Bye. Joel. Hello, hello. We're 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 on. We had uh, traffic issues and a big accident in Hubbard's Cave, so it caught our producer. Oh, right. I didn't know. No. No traffic, weather, sports, horoscope. Yeah, yeah that's, well, they, 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 oh we, we, we got the traffic report. Our girl was in traffic, so she gave the report. Yeah, the report was that I was driving. I sent. Uh, I was able. I was moving so slow. I was actually able to text Tom. I sent him a photo of me driving five miles an hour, which was the the pretty much the highest speed I went the whole way down. So oh, is there a, is there a, <laughs> is there a speed limit on the texting? As long as you're going under ten, you can text or what? No, it's just that we weren't moving, ah. <laughs> so I was I felt fine with it. I usually don't text and drive, but I'm like, oh my god. So Joel, the rumor is that you snuck some horse out of the allowance barn and snuck huh. it in the derby, and, and he won, and he's your horse. How about that, man? How about that? I uh, I gave a good. I didn't send you guys my derby article, but um. I gave a good look at um, Zandon, the horse that came third, and at the center was the uh, was the favorite. He looked tough, and um, that ended up going with the uh, the pony that won the Santa Anita. And um, this, my reservation about him was that he was a young colt, you know, and it was only his third race. 
And I think 100, you know, 110,000 people at the track and they're screaming and yelling. I, I told, I told the wife when, uh, you know, he was going up to the gate, he looked a little bit shaky, you know, a little bit nervous. So I kind of had a feeling I was going to finish out of the money, but, um, everyone's talking about the announcer, right? And did, uh, did you listen to the call of the race at all? I did not. Cause, uh, the announcer, just missed him. I mean, he totally missed him, and uh, and I know why. I mean, just at the last second, he was like, it's epicenter, it's Zandon, it's epicenter, it's Zandon, and Rich Strike wins the Kentucky Derby. And I know the exact reason for that, because going back to my, my track days, um, my dad owned a lot of ponies, and we knew a lot of people at the track, and I used to go up to the announcer's booth. And, uh, you know, watch them do races. Actually, I kind of wanted to do that when I was a kid. And um, they wear binoculars. So he was laser-focused on those two horses, you know, looking who's going to the whip, who's picking up a stride. So you don't have that fancy aerial view that everyone's showing on YouTube. And the horse, he just did not have them in his vision until <laughs> until the wire. But... Um, it was exciting to see. I didn't cash, but uh, it was certainly an exciting race. I, uh, I I read actually on several occasions that those guys. I mean, most people think they look at the numbers. They don't because the numbers can get covered with. They look at the, they memorize the, the Jackie's silk colors, right? Yep. And so maybe yep. uh, so that maybe they maybe he didn't know, he, he forgot to memorize the last get the last guy on the board's silk color or something. Well, you know that horse, you know, they snuck him in at the last second. I mean, I didn't even, when I did my derby article, I did it on Wednesday. I mean, he wasn't even in the program until Friday morning. Uh, the other interesting thing is that, I don't know if you saw this on the TV coverage, uh, that horse was claimed. Do you know what a claiming race is? Yep. Okay. That horse was uh, claimed, claimed for $30,000 in, uh, in July, or excuse me, in the fall. And uh, from a big farm, Calumet Farm, sold it for thirty grand, and now it turns out to be a Kentucky Derby winner. And um, well, I, did, I have a good claim. Do you want to hear a good? But how, but how, how did he? How, how did he get in at the last minute? Did somebody pop out? Yeah, yeah. Mercurial Road, um, a Wayne Lucas horse uh, dropped out. Just so a, a very brief, because uh, I'm assuming that Eliani and half the listeners have no idea what a claiming race is. Uh, a claiming, that is true. A claiming race. Is, do you know what it is, Aliani? I don't. What is it? Tell me. So you go to the track. They make races. They're called claiming races. Mm-hmm. And there's a price tag on the horse. Okay. And so if you want to buy, you know, if you put your horse in the race, you got to be prepared that if someone shows up with cash at the track, it, it, you buy the horse. You literally own the horse after the race. You don't own them during the race. You own them after the race. Huh. And, you know, pe- people do that with horses that are, you know, they're okay, they're not sure about, but hey, if I can get 30 grand for them, I'll be happy. Gotcha. So, quick story, and then I'll let you guys go. Uh, my dad's very involved in harness, harness racing back in the, so was in my the stepfather. 60s and the 70s. And um, there was a, you know, they fouled horses. They fouled all the horses in the area. And there was this one horse that they were trying to buy, and the owner wouldn't give him a good price. 
right? And we were racing in the Detroit area. Well, the owner thought he would be tricky, and he took the horse to Sportsman's Park, all right? And he threw him in a climber. My dad and his partner showed up at Sportsman's Park and claimed the horse from the guy. And the horse won the race, my dad claimed him, and then one rule about the claiming races is, is that, you, you know, the only thing you're supposed to give the new owners is a bridle, right? Okay. To leave the horse out of the stall. Well, the guy was so pissed, and my dad and his partner, that he took the bridle off the horse. <laughs> and it was late at night, so my dad and uh, his partner had to scramble around and find some rope. To get to make their a makeshift bridle to get the horse in the trailer to get him back to Detroit. Oh my God! What a petty son of a guy. Well, well the, re- the reason for this, <clears throat> Eliani and the rest of everybody, is it it's it's a it's a discipline and a system. Where if you say the seventh race is going to be for you know four year olds of a and it's it's a five thousand dollar race. Uh huh. You if you do if you make it a claimer. Say okay, it's a claiming race of three thousand dollars. <throat> you got the prize, and you got the you got the price. So nobody's going to show up with secretariat just to, as a, as a ringer and get the five grand because you get to buy secretariat for three thousand if he shows up. So it's a way, it's a discipline and a system. So you're you're only going to bring a horse that deserves to be in a five thousand dollar race or a six thousand dollar race. Otherwise, somebody's going to buy them from you. Right. So you don't show up with a with a with a horse just to. Is that, am I right, Joel? It's a discipline and a system. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the good horses, you know, there's all different classifications. If a horse never won a race, it's called a maiden race. And they and they race against all other horses that have not won a race. Hmm. And then there's non-winners of two, non-winners of three, and different classifications. And, you know, usually your claimers are, are you know, like 30000 is not a huge price. Well, you, I mean, when, I, when I went to the track... that are being sold... Uh, to race in the Derby, 1.5, 1.7 million. Oh my God. Half a million. So, I mean, they got the, that horse on the cheap from Calumet Farms, who's one of the biggest breeders and the, you know, most historic breeders in the country. So, one for the little guy. Yeah, but you know, it's, uh, huh. if you, if you go to, well, I was going to say Arlington Park, it's not there anymore. If you, if you went to sports, or uh, now Hawthorne's when it's open, if you went to Hawthorne on a Wednesday afternoon, you're not going to have a thirty thousand dollar claimer. It's going to be a five thousand dollar claimer, even now, right? I mean, thirty thousand is a lot for a claimer, or at least it used to be when I when I used to go. But uh, but I think you have to you have to give your intention to claim the horse, and you only have to do it if he wins. And afterwards, you'll hear the announcement that horse has been claimed, right, Joel? No, it, it, the horse doesn't have to win. Okay, I thought he did. Oh no, you can you know you no no. No, no, he no. I uh, you no, you can claim any horse. You doesn't have to win. Well, I didn't. I, I've probably heard. I've been at the track. Well, it's been a long time, but I used to go quite a bit. I, I used to, maybe once once a, every couple of times they'll say a horse had been claimed, and, but every single time, maybe just because when I was there, he had just happened to win. So I, I thought you had to you had to win, but maybe not. You know, it was Washington Park. Uh, that track burned down uh, February fifth. I was there that uh, day. In Homewood. I was there yeah, that day. 1977. It was Washington Park. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't Sportsman's Park. I, I stand corrected. I was there that day. <laughs> and I, I won four races oh, in a row. Chief. 
I got to go. Yeah, take Let's care. hope that low from yesterday holds potential double bottom. Let's hope we get a strong CPI number tomorrow, okay? Yes. Okay, take care of yourself, bud. SP Futures up 25, NASDAQ Futures 126. Be right back with Kenny Polkiri. Make you wealthy. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. One, two, three, four. One, two. Let me tell you how it will be. Hello, welcome back to Jackson. I'm on the board. SP Futures up 28. NASDAQ Futures up 142. Finally, some green lights here. And I get, I got my people with all the rolling down and everything. I'm done with this. 
our puts and so forth, a, uh, I could really use a bear market rally here. So who knows? Maybe I'll get it. I mean, when was the last time the market actually does what you want it to do? But I guess I'm uh, hardly. I'd say almost never. <laughs> well, you know, once I guess we're due for some kind of a relief rally here. Whether it's a, I hope so, man. It's yeah. been too. It's been too much. It has, and uh, I think we got some. Uh, do we have Mr. Kenny. Mm-hmm. We do. How are you, bud? Uh, I'm, I'm glad that. Ma- are you bringing the green to the machine this morning, or I'm what? Bring, I am bringing the green. Yes, I'm bringing the green so you can thank me for a rest. Yeah. And that will be the title of today's episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, this, this is. Uh, I'm going to speculate and say it's a bear market rally, but they can be good rallies. And what do you care if you're long and what the reason for it is, right? That, that's that's exactly right, right? If you're long and you're participating in the market rallies, you feel good, it's great. I think what's interesting is that yesterday I was hearing a lot of people, you know, they, they all the pundits are going, oh, buy the dip, buy the dip. And I'm sitting there thinking, what do you think all these buys have been doing all along? Because the trades are not one-sided, right? For every seller, there's a buyer. So there have been buyers the whole way down, and those are the people that will benefit because they've been establishing different toes. They haven't been standing in the way. They have not been getting run over. The buyers, you know, here's the other thing they're saying. Oh, there's a buyer's strike. There's not a buyer's strike. There are plenty of buyers. Buyers are just choosing to be a little bit more pricey, right, where they're going to bid. They're going to bid lower, see if the sellers are anxious. And the sellers have been anxious. So guess what? They're being rewarded for putting their money up and being in the market. What, um, Kenny, isn't it surprise you? I mean, I used to listen to you more because I listened to... Uh, I'm, I'm still listening to CNBC, unfortunately. But uh, I, uh, I, you you never made the really. I, I'm assuming that the people you hung around with, <laughs> TV and so forth, know something. Although sometimes you wonder. Uh, I never saw you drop into the ridiculous definitions. Like some stack is very under under owned. Well, every share is always owned, right? I mean, how can it be under owned? I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's a I mean, unless the unless the company bought it all back for treasury stock and they could put it back out. How's it ever under owned? I mean, I, well, you know, when when they say it's under owned, they talk about uh, they talk about the tone of the market and who's going to the leadership of the market and you know have funds owned the right proportion, right, of these names. For instance, whether it's value names, consumer staples, whatever it is. You have a lot of these big asset managers. Have they owned the appropriate amount? Did they ship? Have they overweighted those 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 sectors? And if they haven't, then in this environment, when everyone's talking about, are oh, you going to be in value? Then they can say, well, we're under owned because we don't own enough of it in our fund, so it's under owned in that sense, right? Well, it might be under owned by you, but it's it's owned by somebody. Well, correct, correct, exactly right. So it's not right. I get it, but when they say you you know that when they say it's under owned. When they're talking about asset managers trying to allocate percentages, you know, if the allocation is ten percent of the portfolio and it's only three percent, then "quote unquote" it's underowned in the portfolio. But it's 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 kind of stunning, Kenny, the people who listen to the, I'll say, the financial touts all day long. Uh, you can get those people in a seminar, and they're not they're not dumb people. I mean, it can be with lawyers, doctors, and the the, the knowledge of the basics of the system sometimes. I'll say, okay, you went out and you got this tout, and this guy said, you know, you got to go buy uh, whatever slippery rock stack, and uh, and you go and buy it. Well, it's going to go up, right? Well, yeah. Well, who'd you buy it from? What do you mean? I just I bought it. I bought it from my brokerage firm. No, you didn't. You, you bought it from me or you or or somebody, the person sitting next to you. So just as much as you think, 
you're a buyer. Somebody sold it to you. What makes you think that you're right and they're wrong? Well, what do you mean? Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> always the way. But look, you know what? That, that that's also not completely true, too, right? Because you don't have to necessarily be right or wrong when you're selling stock, right? Because you might be selling stock for a reason. You need to raise cash because you buy the house. You raise cash because you're you put your kid through school. You need to raise cash because you're throwing a wedding to your daughter. So there may be reasons you're raising cash. So I'm selling my Microsoft today because I need to raise a hundred grand to throw a wedding for my daughter, for instance. I don't necessarily want to sell the Microsoft, but that's where my cash is, so I'm selling my Microsoft. Doesn't mean I don't think it's going to go higher. It just means I need the money right now. Uh, Eliani wants to be your daughter. No, thank you. <laughs> you know, I actually had a conversation with my boss about this the other day. I was talking to Steve. And he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, I gave my daughter a really nice, a generous, you know, wedding donation. And then he told me the amount. And I was like, huh? <laughs> like, I can't, I can't reason with it. He said, well, what would you do? And I'm like, go on a vacation instead. I'm like, why would I spend all this money on a stupid wedding? For what? <laughs> well, hopefully you get some presents while you're no, there. Listen, I, well, what I, would no, I need I, at that point? I mean, I, I mean, even now, I don't need anything now. Cash. No, I'm good. All right. I'm all right. I don't need, I don't need other people's money. I mean, donate it. I don't need it. What do I need it for? R- r- take a note. When when you when it's when it's your day, uh, no wedding, yeah. no no presents. Take a note. Break down. That's yeah. that's how it goes. Whoever decides to marry me, that we're going to have a very very nothing wedding, and we're going to go on a very long vacation. Well, it's not <laughs> a bad idea. But Kenny, I, I, I I'm looking at some of these stocks, and you know it's funny. You and I have talked because we've both been doing this for a long time. All of a sudden, people's view of value just changes, and it is it is so spectacular when you see it. I mean, I was looking earlier. I gave the example of uh, of Netflix. And the stock was six hundred bucks, what four months ago, and now it's one seventy something. And it's right. the same people that are are touting to buy it at six hundred. You never hear boof from anybody now saying, "God, this thing's going back to six hundred. You better buy it. now." It's just it's just settled in now to a, like a regular company trading seventeen PE with a little bit of growth, maybe, and that's it. And uh, and, and now it's, it's just there. I mean, there's no fear. To say, God, you, if you buy this thing, it's going to be six hundred by the end of the year, like it was when it started the year. Same thing with, you know, Nvidia. I don't see anybody saying, "Man, this thing will be three hundred five again," you know, in a, in a week or two. So you better get your butt in there. I mean, it's it's like the whole oh, thing listen. is just being repriced. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back off the Nvidia because that's one of my favorites. I really. Oh God. <laughs> You hit him where it hurts, Tom. I hit him where I want to see it go back to three. Why? Well, I'm not saying people don't, but but my my point is now all of a sudden. The, the the forty to fifty PE people are looking at it pretty questioningly, and all of a sudden, if it drops to thirty five, they're not really saying, "God, this, this deserves to be 50. It, I mean, you're you're starting to hear that tone change a little bit, or not hear it. You know what I'm saying? No, no, and I agree. And you know what? That that speaks to the valuation conversation and about what what. And this is why the market's backing off because as the as the environment changes, we have rising rates, you got inflation, we've got. You know, tough economic times ahead, so valuations have to change. So ridiculous numbers have to be cut in half, and we've seen that happen along the way, right? Yep. I mean, the S&P is now trading at 17 and a half times 2022 earnings. That's down from 24 and a half times where it was in, in December of uh, 2021. So that valuations are coming down based on the environment, but individual names, which were really overpriced, you know, they're the ones that are getting really readjusted, and they should. Yeah, it's almost like but, a shades of 2000. I like it, video. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, <laughs> but that's that's the, well, that's what I'm, that's the beauty of it, though, Kenny. It's, it's not about the company. It's not about the chairman. It's not about anything. It's just you know, I love your tie. Not a thousand dollars worth. You know, I mean, uh, right. 
But we got, got a guy who was trying to buy this, uh, well, I was looking to buy this pickup truck. Just for laughs, because it was, it's a kind of a different, um, it's an unusual model. And the guy, it's a, it's a 98. The guy wants 26 grand for it. And I go, when you get to 12, call me. I mean, we're, I mean, we're not even on the same planet. I mean, you can buy, yeah. the most you get insured for is like nine. And so I said to the guy, so right. let me get this straight. I pay you 26, somebody runs into me and I get nine from my insurance guy. What, what kind of what kind of an idiot am I? <laughs> like, what do you, you know? And he says, "What do you mean? That's what they're going for." I'm, well, I said, "You know what? I wish you luck." I mean, I, I actually do. I mean, I, I, li- I like the guy. <laughs> Go ahead. If somebody's going to pay you twenty six grand for this, it's more to cost what it was new. <laughs> I think it's a ninety eight. I mean, it's, it's not. A, I'm saying, but some of the stuff you can get too high, and uh, even even your bigger stacks. I mean, you don't see anybody saying, "Gee, Amazon deserves to be thirty five hundred again." <clears throat> I don't think. I mean. Maybe it should be up from here, maybe, probably, but, you know, 100% higher? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I mean, you and I have seen this before. I mean, it, it really, well, yeah. it, and it, but this is nowhere near as bad so far as 2000, where the QQQs no. went from 120 to 25. I mean, it's... Yeah, no, no, not at all, but listen, nothing says it can't go there if, in fact, the data continues to prove that the Fed has lost control, right? If the Fed, if the data continues to prove the Fed lost control, then we could easily see, people, you know, you, you have to be realistic. You could easily see another 2,000. You could see these evaluations continue to get slashed. Well, do you think that they're in danger of losing control the other way if, if the market does collapse uh, more and because you lose money, <clears throat> you lose money supply when you lose market value because you, you, the margin loans disappear, right? Well, the margin loans get caught, right? <clears throat> well, I'm saying, but the, when you the way our money system works, and you know this, supposed to how much time it is. If is if if you if you go to the bank and put in a hundred thousand bucks, and I yeah. go borrow eighty and then put it in a in a uh, checking account next to yours. The money supply is now 180 because we bo- you still have your 100 and I got my 80. Well, same thing happens when stocks are running up. If somebody buys, borrows money off the stock and puts it in the bank, you just you just gain money, right? Well, on the way down, you you lose. In other words, if these guys from MicroStrategy, if Bitcoin goes to let, yesterday, I don't know if you read this, that their margin call is 21.9, that they're going to get a huge margin call because they own God knows how much Bitcoin. It's MicroStrategy, uh, right? So if that margin call comes. In Bitcoin's trading ten thousand, there's there's money that has disappeared out of the system, correct? Yes. That the, the Fed, yeah, that the Fed didn't do. So they almost have to right. be care, they have to be careful both ways that they don't put too much in, and they also yeah. don't let too much drain out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. If it drains out too quickly on the way down, it, it creates it creates more of a more chaos, right? Because when it when it creates. The excitement on the way up, everyone's patting themselves on the back. But when it, when everyone's getting cut to pieces on the way down, when it creates more chaos. What uh, we only have a couple of minutes, Kenny. I'm, I'm sh- I know I'm shifting gear. What do you think of the the housing market? My uh, significant other was on yesterday, and uh, she she called the top. So she she finally yeah, saw. I, I do think. I, yeah, I think that look, rates are rates are running at uh, what five and five point six percent for thirty year money. For conforming loans, right? Yes. If you have a jumbo loan, you're in the six percent range now, right? Um, so I do think that housing prices are probably going to stall out here. I think there are some places where you'll see it actually retreat. I think down here in Florida, there are still people moving here, still people moving along the coast. Waterfront property is, you know, is is there's only so much of it. So I think that waterfront property is probably more protected. 
but I don't see them, you know, running at thirty percent increases the way they were for the last the last couple of years at all. Well, so I, was, I think they probably stall and just hang out. Well, House just went here. Uh, no inspection, uh, no appraisal. She goes, that's the top. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's right. That's been happening down here for months now. People have been, the real estate agent called you up and said, listen, if you're innocent, just make a bid. Don't worry about not seeing it. Go look at the pictures online. Just make a bid because it's going to be gone. I mean, it's been crazy down here in Florida like that. Well, but if you, if you, if you're, if you wave the inspection and wave the appraisal, though, that's, that's deep. Of course it is. But if you're going to wave the inspection, wave the appraisal, you, you know, then, you, then you're most likely going to be a cash buyer because if it doesn't appraise out, you're not going to get your mortgage. So if you were worried about getting a mortgage, yeah. then you'd have to get it appraised. If you're not going to get it appraised, you're probably a cash buyer, or at least a 50% cash buyer, that, you know, th- th- that it would work anyway. But um, not getting it inspected is a whole other issue, right? Because, you, but I got to tell you, down here it was crazy. People were just buying houses sight unseen. They were buying them over the phone from New York. The agent would call the guy from New York, and the guy would put a bid in. Wouldn't even see the house. Well, don't you get the, the don't you get an alligator check in the cement pan? What was an alligator in there? <laughs> oh, you put a fence up. What the hell do I know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alligators pay attention to fences. <laughs> One of the guys I work with, Kenny, he's trying to buy a house in South Carolina, and he says, what's that back there? And the lady goes, well, that's the alligator pond. He goes, like, for real? He, she goes, yeah. He goes, I have a dog and two kids. Why do I want an alligator pond? I mean, what's, what's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> now, you guys, you like them down there, though. You have pets, right? They're like your pets? Yeah, no, well, I, you know, I don't live anywhere near an alligator pond. It's funny, though. My brother does up in Jacksonville. And uh, and they have now to come out of the uh, come out of the lake or the water, whatever, right in front of their front of. But they have a you know they have a gate, they have a fence around their property. But when they first started come out, you know, my sister had a nervous breakdown because it was this big alligator that came walking out of the water. But uh, I've seen I've seen him in the water down there when I, when I played golf. But uh, I, let's just say I never dug for a ball that I put in the water. Let it go. Kenny, take care of yourself, buddy. Good stuff as yeah. usual. Let's be now up 32. Kenny is green here today. He's all green. NASDAQ Futures up 164. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, well, back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 32. Uh, Nasdaq Futures up 174. So we're, we're going to the north, going north here, which I could really use a, a bear market rally. I got our sub, with the uh, market being down so much yesterday, I managed to, we, we rolled everybody down to, um, our puts were so deep in the money. So everybody's kind of screaming along here. So uh, still protected, but very long. So we could sure use a couple days of the upside, then we'll go back the other way a little bit. Do we have the professor with us? Good morning. How are you, bud? How how's how thing in prof- professor land? Uh, no, I'm still working on finals. It seems like it never ends, but I'm I'm wrapping it up this week. Well, when it does end, that would be the end because that's the name final. <laughs> My God, Tom. then I get to look forward to summer. I'm I'm literally going to take the whole summer off. You remember yeah. uh, who wants to be a millionaire? What was it final final? That was when was you really your answer? Final. Jeopardy? No, remember uh, Regis Philbin, who wants to be a millionaire? You could you could talk about the answers. Oh, I, then he'd say final, yeah, final. I never really it. watched that show. I think I watched it once with my brother and his wife. And uh, <laughs> well, I, mean, I was like, uh, that was just not my thing. Well, but if he actually won, that was a long time ago. You won a million bucks with Jeopardy. You're there for a month, and you got like a couple of grand. Seems. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Jeopardy's like you know playing blackjack. Or Texas Hold'em, and uh, millionaire show is like pulling a, a, you know, a jackpot or a slot machine lever. <laughs> oh yeah, you could yeah, but that, but that was all. The only thing I always remember is you could say whatever you want. Then they did before he, just to make sure he had no liability, he'd say final answer, final final, and they go yeah. <laughs> which which corresponds to the uh, our old waitress back in the day over at the series. Actually, she started out at the. Uh, how's the other place? Excelsior. And then when you'd, you'd say, you know, last, last, or something with your, with your drink, she'd go, is this really final, final? Can I bring the check? It was her, her term too, final, final. That means it was, it was your last drink. Just, just saying, you know. <laughs> so we've got, <laughs> we've, we've got a little bit of a, let's say, repricing going on in, in the market, uh, Hal. And I, you know, I, I look at some of this stuff, and first of all, I'm never gonna, you know, there's, there's no point in saying I told you so on anything. Uh, but stuff, I think, got a little too high, maybe a lot too high, and we're starting to see somewhat of a repricing. I mean, I guess there are people that if you see somebody using the wrong bolts for a bridge and you start and you, and you mention that to somebody and they basically tell you to pound sand, you really don't want the bridge coming down and people getting killed so you can prove yourself, prove your point, right? Uh, you hope, you know, you really don't want to see that happen, but, Right now, I mean, I'm looking at this uh, Peloton this morning. Now they're down uh, 343, trading uh, $10.70. You know, they got they got uh, sales problems. They got sales problems going forward. They got 
profit problems, meaning like none, that type of thing. And I, I'm looking at there. I shouldn't do this, you know, but I'm going to do it because you're you're. I want you to take this away on an economist side versus me on the trading side. If you look here to August, July of 2021, now people are still home with the COVID and all that stuff. Stocks trading 130 dollars, right? Yeah. And uh, they've got 303 million shares outstanding. If you do the math, it's 40 billion dollar market cap. Hmm. Hell, wh- what is what is wrong with people? What what, what collectively? What did what did they think was going to happen? That this that these guys were going to make well forty billion dollars if you got let's say you had eight times earnings. What are you making five five billion a year and sending people a check out for forty percent of that in dividends, sending out a check for two billion? Did anybody think in anybody's in, in the lifetime of a redwood tree that that was going to happen? I you know all I can tell you is you know when you tell people they can't go outside. A company like that's going to do really, really well. People are going to buy all these machines, and then when they finally say, "Hey, you can go outside," nobody's buying the machines anymore. Everybody's got the machine. It's kind of like it's kind of like cash for clunkers, right? In the month that cash for clunkers was going on, there's a big spike in uh, new car sales. But all that was is people took the government purchase of their car, essentially. And instead of waiting six months to buy the car or eight months to buy the car, they they decided to um, sell their old car for the new car during the month of cash for clunkers, and that weighted all of future sales. Well, right. so I think that's exactly what happened to Peloton. Plus, you throw into that all the money that was printed in their existence by Trump and and the Biden administration, which was purchased by the Fed indirectly or directly through uh, bond purchases, to me, it's just Austrian business cycle theory. I mean, everybody wants to, every, nobody wants to believe it, but everybody says, don't fight the Fed. When the Fed is being really easy, what happens? The Fed, through its credit expansion, drives the market up to these incredible heights. Everybody's screaming, don't fight the Fed. Buy, buy, buy. And we're all surprised when the Fed starts raising interest rates and, and becomes restrictive, the thing explodes. So we, we, we understand that the Fed creates it with this mantra, uh, don't fight the Fed, but then we're shocked when it when it pops, and we don't want to blame the Fed for some reason. I don't know. It's just, to me, it's just blatantly obvious that Austin business cycle theory has it right. And I've, I've been, I came to that conclusion back in 2008. Uh, so I think it's just all of that. Hell, if I, I think if you... Uh were to ex- expand your horizons just a bit, and instead of having finals on your students, put a put, yep. a, gr- put a grade on the Fed from probably, I'm going to say from 1968 on, the, the Bretton Woods, when they went off the gold standard, yeah. uh, from 68 on, the, the Fed would have a glaring F the entire way. If you look at, at their, their, money, their money policies, and you look at the ebb and flow in the market and recession, They've caused every single, you know, bubble that shouldn't have been there, sell-off that shouldn't have been there. They've, they've, yeah, they, they're, they're absolutely gasoline on the fire, or, or, they're, or they're, they're an air conditioner in a cold day. They're one, they're one or the other. They're never, they're never what they're supposed to be, or very rarely. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I, I think when you, uh, 
when you, you uh, separate or uh, detangle the, the dollar from gold, however strong that relationship was, I think the Fed is just printing money, causing these bubbles. Everybody knows it because they all say don't fight the Fed when the Fed's being easy. I mean, so we know that part of the story. But for some reason, we're shocked when we get these bubbles and they pop. I mean, I think it's even worse in China. I think I shared that with you yesterday. And I think it's actually worse in China, right? I, I was reading about Chinese cities that look like replicas of Paris, France, almost 10 years ago or, or 10 years ago. They're building cities that nobody lives in. So, and I think 20 to 30% of their GDP is real estate. So well, yeah, I think it's even worse in China. Well, I don't disagree, but they... Uh then again, what, what are you counting over there? I mean, how, how do they count anything? Why does anybody believe anything they say? Well, I think that they do exactly like we do. I think we only report inflation. And when you only report inflation and a GDP deflator, that boosts your GDP numbers. Well, sure it does. Right? Yeah. We're doing it here, I think, to trap more and more people into uh, uh, higher and higher tax brackets. I think China's doing it just to... Uh, make their policies look so dominant that everybody cows to them, right? I mean, well, if, we you, did. If, you, if your deflator is artificially low, you have a huge GDP number every quarter, even if it's not, right? It could be negative and it's still going up, right? Well, the biggest, the biggest single benefactor from inflation is the government. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody, everybody talks about, uh, and this is kind of ancient. Well, not, not that ancient. Cause it's happening again. I, I was kind of, I mean, I don't. I'm not a income tax dude. My brother knows more, more about it than me. But I didn't. We at some point go down to like two or three brackets. Now we're back up to like six or seven. Well, I think the uh, this tax cuts. I was talking about this this week with my econ students. The last class we had together, and I think Bush had him down to uh, he had he had he had him down to three or four. I think it was three. And, but they weren't supposed to take a step until 2005. So the, the, the first impact, the first thing that we felt in the Bush tax cuts of 2001 were those rebate checks, which didn't work because you get a spike in disposable income, but yet consumer spending kind of stays on trend. And then in 2003, um, the Republicans were able to move the implement, implementation of those uh, rate cuts to 2003, right? And meanwhile, the recession had been over for two years, right? Right. So I think they, I think they were down to three by 2003. Yeah, and they're up to five or six. That's why I think it's important to set it and leave it. I think that's one reason why Utah's doing so well. We have a tax policy year that's basically been set in stone for like 20 years. And I think that draws companies into Utah because they know we're not tinkering with it, right? When you constantly tinker with a tax code, firms can't plan for five years, they can't plan for ten years. Well, plus it costs them an and arm and a leg to, plus it costs them an arm and a leg to pay off the politicians. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cause, I mean, you're probably lobbying them, right? Yeah, yeah. Back and forth, trying to trying to get them to do what you want them to do. It's, it's ten, I think it's important just to set it and leave it. It's ten grand a month for the uh, well, it's it's Beyond uh, statute of limitations, it was in the nineties. The CBO used to pay. Uh, remember, remember uh, the, Nerman, the, 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 the name Hale Bags. The what? Hale Bags. Remember that name? Was he was he a senator or something from Louisiana or something? 
Oh. He was a, you know, he had all kinds of influence. Well, his son was Tommy Boggs, and he was uh, with the firm Patton Boggs and Blow, was the name of the place, out of Washington. And Tommy was our lobbyist at the CBOE. Hmm. Uh, and he was a very engaging guy. Uh, matter of fact, he had, he had a, a skill set, Hal, that you, you, you wished you had if you were in that business. If there was a group of, <laughs> if there was a group of 30, 30, 40 people at a meeting, you know, and you, don't, you always do like the cocktail meetings where everybody's kind of standing with the little tables and stuff. Well, there's actually a reason for that. That I, I of course, being a dummy that I am, I, I had no idea. Um, Eliana, I know, is listening because she's wondering what is the reason for that. You, people end up gathering in groups of five or six or four or five, right? Even though you have a room of 30, you don't either stand by yourself or you stand all 30. You, you kind of get groups, right? So he would, he would visit, he would get a drink. He'd always be tinkling the, the, uh, ice because he probably had two or three of his engagements to do like every night. So he wasn't going to get bleep faced. He wasn't going to drink even probably. He'd have one swig maybe with everybody, maybe not even take a swallow. He'd come by every, every group, introduce himself. I'm your guy. I'm Tommy Boggs. Shake everybody's hand. Always had some joke. If it was the guys, it was a little slightly off color. If there was a lady there, it wouldn't be, you know, that type of thing. And he would cover the room, and I'd say 30 minutes, and he'd be gone. He always was knowledgeable. But we paid him, we, the CB, we paid him 10 grand a month back then uh, just to keep an eye out for any legislation or any committee that might be doing something that would screw the options industry. And, and you really had to do that because you never knew what, when some, what some moron might throw into a bill somewhere. That you that you had to uh, all of a sudden account for, you were to get a tax option transactions or something like that. So you you almost needed it. But I can only imagine how many companies like that 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 firm had. What do you figure? Two hundred, hundred and fifty at ten grand a month. I mean that, that's that's real dough. <laughs> even even you and I could live could live on that, right? <laughs> We'd have some Frelliani for God's sake. I mean it. I mean it, it was it's an amazing industry. And but but I think some states you have to have that going all the time, and maybe Utah you don't have to do so much of it, you know, or it's not as yeah. expensive or whatever. It's all part of it, I think, don't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're constantly raising and lowering things and adjusting policy, you know that's going on, right? But people, I mean, I mean, are, people are putting money into these politicians to get special favors. The policies tilt to them. And then the ones that get hurt by that, what do they do? They follow that up with money that pulls the policies back toward their favor, and it just goes back and forth, and it's a non-stop up and down of policies that have positive consequences for some and negative consequences for others, right? And it's just non-stop. I think, I think firms want to have a little more certainty, so I think they're looking for places to expand. And I think the reason why Utah seems to do pretty well uh, what did relatively well during the last bubble, and why it might weather this one pretty well, and why it had it had like two point five or three percent unemployment like a year ago. I was, I was pretty shocked that unemployment rate was that low. But now, when they do those numbers, and I, I want to finish up the stuff about the uh, mm-hmm. the, the Reagan inflation because there's 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 a, there's a few things. A few things you can learn from me. Not, not, I mean, not where the market's going up or going down, or certainly not if the Cubs are going to win or lose. I mean, or which horse is going to win. So, you know, uh, you can you can count me out on being an expert on all that stuff. But I'm good at monetary theory. I'm good at uh, a few things in the market, like always mark yourself to market. Don't remember what you paid for something. It's where it is today because that's where you can sell it or buy it. And 
I know a lot about inflation from back in those days. And I'm going to say, Al, that uh, there were as much as 10 to 12, maybe more. I'm going to get one of these old tax returns. They're available online uh, from like a 1978 time or 77, somewhere in there. And I'm going to say you used to get this big packet with all the tables were in the package you got. Remember that? So you, you, when you got, when you got, you, when you got, you didn't have to, there's no turbo tax, it was none of that crap. So they sent you this, this thing and you filled it out and, and, and all the tables for, had a household, for, they were all included and there were tables in there that if you, if your state income, if your state sales tax was 7% and you made 25 grand, you could take off 1500, you know, or 1200. There was a table for everything in this packet that you got. I mean, it was all inclusive. And, and on there, the last ten pages had to be all these tables of everything you happen to be. So your your tax, if you made ten grand, was like eight hundred bucks. And then if you made eleven grand, it was between ten and eleven five, might be eight uh, percent or ten percent. Then so then and then like eleven five, you you know nine hundred fifty bucks plus ten percent of the next thousand. It, it literally was like that all the way up to God knows where. So. I'm going to say at least 10 to 12 brackets. And I'll get one just to prove on myself right or wrong. So at the the end of the day, the person, when I started at Pullman, and I left there three years later to become a trader, uh, when I left there, well, the place went under, too. That's a problem. Uh, So I'm going to say that the inflation rate over those three years was probably maybe 25 to 30%, sort of like the last Mm. three years we've seen now, very similar. Uh, in fact, I think now it might actually be worse, which nobody would want to hear. But anyway, say it was 30%. If you were in the union or someplace and you had a cost of living increases and you got some raise, I'm going to say 5% of the population maybe had a raise equal to the inflation along the way. Because a lot of your union things where you got, you know, seven, 70% of COLA or you got 60 or 65, depending on the contract, very, very few, I think, hell, got a full 100% to where if it was if it was ten percent last year, you got a ten percent raise. I don't. Most of them were not like that. But then you got like regular. Anyway, so I'm saying some percentage of the population was able to keep pace. Some executives, yeah, and those types of things. So not everybody was behind a horse here, but the people that didn't. So say you kept even, and you started out at at seventeen grand, okay, and then three years later you were making what's what's seventeen times thirty percent higher is what seventeen hundred times. Uh, Three is fifty-one, correct? All right. So you're now you're now you're twenty-two-one, right? Yeah. But you've made you you're, you're dead even on buying power. I'm going to say you're up you're up four tax brackets, and you're now paying eighteen percent on on your money instead of fifteen. So even if even if you broke even, you lost. I don't know if you've ever thought that through like that. You're not as old as me, but even even if you if you were break even on salary versus because of the tax brackets, you ended up a loser. Yeah, well, I remember when I was working for my parents at Lewiston Bus Terminal, my stepfather and my mom, they would have me uh, kind of like write my own paychecks. And I remember going through the tax bracket trying to figure out, all right, um, if I pay myself this much for my wages, my take home is this. If I do this. My take home is that, and what I'd do is I'd underpay myself on purpose so that my take home check amount would be maximized within a a range, right? Yeah. So that's what I would do. I I would shop around for the tax bracket that would give me the biggest net. 
And I was doing that when I was eighteen. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was. It, I mean it, it was a huge difference. Whether if you made yeah twenty five grand a year versus seventeen in those days, that was a huge difference. By the way, when a when yeah. a car when a, well when a car costs four grand, making eight thousand dollars more than the guy next to you, 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 you were two cars ahead of the guy, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a big number. So I mean, I, I'm going to say that at twenty five, you were paying twenty five percent, and at seventeen, you were paying seventeen, sixteen, somewhere in there. Yeah. If, if they're if they're adjusting uh, these income uh, income brackets, the thresholds for when the new rate takes effect for inflation, and then and then under counting it, it it is capturing more and more people in higher and higher tax brackets. Absolutely. And then on top of that, I mean, I, I went to the grocery store yesterday and I spent seventy dollars basically for cold cereal and milk. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what is going on here? Like, the bags of malted milk cold cereal that I usually buy, they're usually pretty big, but I picked them up, and they're like the little Raisin Bran boxes. They have some massive shrinkage. Remember the commercial? I they call it shrinkflation. Remember the and I talked to the person up. Way before Eliani, remember the commercial with the little guy pounding the table, I want my malted milk? Yeah. That's really good. I love it, but my kids don't like it. I tell you, it's, a, it's more of an adult. Kids don't like oatmeal either. It's good for them. Adults like oatmeal. Well, my kids, my kids love oatmeal. They do. They like the plain oatmeal, not the flavored oatmeal. Really? Usually, it's by, you got to yeah. load enough sugar in it for everybody to, to love it. Oh, no, they love it. I don't know why. I don't know why they do, but all my kids love the oatmeal. That's oh, yeah. they're, they're Utah kids, for God's sake. That's, you know, that makes them <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, but all these numbers, we, we have, what's, what's, what's it going to do? I was just talking to Kenny a little bit. The, the market's down, you know. Big numbers here for and if if it's if it sinks some more, say another. I'm not predicting if it sinks another twenty percent, and all of a sudden you've got margin loans being called and everything. That's something that the Fed really has to deal with. I mean, that's going to cause a shrinkage. The Fed is almost going to have to put more money in just to maintain if that starts to happen. Correct, even though the the end result will will still be down. I mean, I mean, well, it, remember it can raise. Interest rates and still buy bonds because it has interest on reserves. It's a fighting price war, so you might see that, right? You might see an explosion of their balance sheet, but yet they're raising interest rates because they have this binding price war known as interest on reserves. Well, when you, I know you when when you just said it, you you're saying that the that the that the Fed raises interest rates. Okay, but what what they're really doing is targeting an interest rate. And, and, and maintaining the water, the water in the pool, meaning the money in the system, yeah. at a certain that's level that's to that's where that that's the, yeah. the reservoir behind the dam, right? But but yeah. but you know, if, if you don't explain it that way, people think it's just an easy exercise. They just raise the number on a, on a chalkboard somewhere, yeah. but it, it's not. But if the money's yeah. coming out of the system on its own, they have to add money just yeah. to not have it go too far, right? I mean, it, they're kind well, of... I, I think when they, when they do this, I think what it does is it's that Austin business cycle theory on steroids where the people that get the money first, they're the, they're the, they're, they're the investor class, right? They're the, right? they're the bankers, right? They're the investment bankers. They're getting this money directly from the Fed. And they benefit from that, right? Because although prices are going up, they get this newly printed money before the big increase in prices, right? Right. And they can buy assets that they so choose. Or they might buy bonds, right? They might buy something else. 
but they get that money first, right? So they can, they can add money to their balance sheet, and at the same time, they can raise interest on reserves, and it just means there's they're building the, the, the dam taller, right? They're building the dam taller, and that allows them to hold more reserves behind that dam, right? That's all they're doing. They're just building a taller dam, and if they're buying at the same time, they're raising interest on reserves, and they're just unemploying more and more of this new money that they're printing. I call, it, uh, I call it unemployed reserves because it's stuck in the banking system, right? Well, but so they, they could add to the balance sheet without without it being released, and at the same time, raise interest on reserves. Well, so you spend the damn taller and making a bigger reservoir. All right, we got to dash the break here. We come back. Let's let's walk through because I've done it a bunch of times of how money supply grows or, or shrinks just from individuals in our system. That's why you need a Fed to maintain the level in the pool. But let's take a minute, Al, to uh, to walk through how that happens, not with a bank, but with securities margin loans. Because it gets you to the same place, I think. But I'll walk through it, and you tell me if I'm right. SP Futures up 39 now, NASDAQ Futures up 194. Yes, yes, today. Uh, we'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, North Bay Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Eliani on the board. SP futures up 41 now. As futures up 210. We're we're uh, heading heading north here. Pretty good. Uh, we'll see if it hangs in there. I hope it does. Dow futures up 251. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 204, 1.5%. FTSE up 48.7%. CAC around up 74, 1.2%. So, uh, rebounding over in Europe as well. Asia, Nikkei down 152. Uh, that's not the north side, is it? The south side. Uh, that's 0.6%. Shanghai up 31, 1%. Hang Seng, though, can, uh, they did not, uh, yeah, they did. Traded yesterday. They're down 368, 1.8%. Hang Seng has been the big, the big dragger worldwide now for like a year and a half. They cannot get out of their own way. They've taken a big head on all these tech companies that we've been messing around with and they've been messing around with and just hasn't been good for them. Yesterday, the Dow down 653, that's 2%. S&P down 132, 3.2%. NASDAQ down 521, 4.2%. So even though I'm cheering the rally today, it, nowhere near. I mean, we're not even we're not even a third of the way back here. So uh, I guess maybe we're almost exactly a third of the way back. So Fibonacci retracement would be 60% or 66 or not even. Fibonacci's not turning over his grave yet. Bonds, uh, down 10 basis points, 2.97, so under 3%. Makes me think the Fed is adding some cash here someplace. Uh, Bund, uh, 1.02, that's down 6 basis points. Japan unchanged at 0.25, and again, the Japan's inability or unwillingness to come off that number is what's causing the dollar strength, causing gold to go down, causing a lot of this stuff. Oil, down 60 cents, 102.49. Uh, Brent down 82 cents, 105.12. Natural gas down 28 cents, 6.74. Was up over eight dollars, so it's a big drop here. Our Bob down three cents, 3.60. We've got gold down a buck 80, 18.56. Silver down three cents, 21.78. Uh, Copper up two cents, 4.21. And we've got Bitcoin, which is uh, 31,746. Is a drop below uh, 30,000 yesterday, and uh. The biggest holder of this, I think one of the biggest holders, is MicroStrategy. Uh, they claim their margin call is somewhere in the 21,900 range. Uh, that would not be good. Eliani, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Should I give you a report before you leave your house? I know, right? Jesus Christ. Uh, good morning, everyone. Currently 7.35 a.m. on May 10th. Let's start with sports. Uh, Sox lost to the Guardians last night, 9-12, to with a chance for a comeback today at 7.10 at guaranteed rate. So if you got time to check out that game, go for it. Uh, Cubs beat San Diego Padres last night, 6-0, and they'll be playing again tonight at 8-40. And Diamondbacks beat the Marlins last night, 4-3, with another game tonight at 8-40 as well. Looking at weather in Chicago, mostly cloudy skies, 69 with a high of 87 and a low of 69. And Phoenix, currently sunny, 65 with a high of 90, low of 63. Looking at traffic in Chicago this morning, it's absolute mayhem. I had to face it this morning unknowingly, but uh, let's get into it here. Uh, we had traffic eastbound on 290 between Kingery South all the way to downtown uh, with an accident at Kingery. Uh, we have traffic westbound on 290 between Holman and 17th. Traffic eastbound on I-90 between Lee Street and Lawrence. Traffic westbound on I-90 between Lawrence and Cumberland. 
traffic eastbound 94, which is the road I had to take this morning between West Dempster and Canal Port. Uh, I do have a lane closure info box here. Uh, there was an earlier crash involving a semi that hit a loose manhole cover, which caused a truck to hit the wall. The semi truck has been removed, but they are blocking the two, uh, now it's two, not three lanes. Uh, and the maintenance team and police officers are on the scene, so expect solid, solid congestion. You will not be driving more than five miles per hour. Trust me, I had to do that this morning, so make sure you make time to come in. Uh, we have traffic westbound on 94 between 130th and Old Orchard Road. Traffic northbound on 57 between West 119th and the 94 East Ramp. Uh, we have traffic uh, northbound on 55 between County Line Road and the Lakeshore Drive South exit. Uh, traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 31st Street and East Grand. Traffic southbound on Lakeshore between Michigan Avenue and East 18th. And traffic northbound on 294 between Highway 34 and the I-190 East Ramp. Ugh. Back to you, Chief. Um, so, Hal, there you are, before I go into this diatribe on margin loans, there you are minding your own business, as usual, driving your semi through Hubbard's Cave. Somehow or another... A manhole cover gets kind of misplaced or shifts or something. You whack the empty manhole. <laughs> you, you, hit, you hit the wall because those lanes in there are, uh, let the record reflect. How's that for uh, a political thing? Hubbard's Cave used to be five lanes, four lanes, and now it's magically five. Yes. And, uh, and if you've ever driven in, uh, and Hal has, if you've ever driven in New York, I don't know if you ever have, Eliani. I have, it's horrible. Well, but your expressway is a contact sport. Well, you, <laughs> well, you just you just have to. You know how there's a. Yeah, how do I how do I get myself on these subjects? There's there's like a uh, there, there, wherever you're from, you know, whatever neighborhood you're from, or city, or, or state, or whatever. Certainly, at every country, you know, but there, there's like a, a comfortable distance you are from the person that you don't know that you're standing next to, or even if you do know. Like in an elevator, you're all squished in as soon as somebody. Two people move out. Every kind of spreads out. Yes. Then you spread out. Well, it's sort of like a a distance that you get, you get kind of used to. And if you ever um, all of a sudden find somebody, especially somebody of the opposite sex, who, and they're not coming on to you at all, but their distance is just less than yours, and you find yourself like kind of backing up, backing up, till finally you hit a wall, literally. Yeah, kind of like the close talker in Seinfeld. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> One of my one of my buddies from school uh, married a lady from a family like that. All girls, all attractive, all pleasant as all get out. Real bright, all had great educations. They were all like that, and they also, let's say, we're uh, we're not we're not, we're not uh, shall we say cheated in the curves department? Is that a, is that a way to say it? So when they they keep backing up, you're like almost touching. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so the point where you're like, can I move this wall kind of thing? But but it's nothing offensive or anything. It's just. But it's a person? But but it's just. just No, I'm saying when you back up, all of a sudden your back is literally up against the wall, and and now you have nowhere to go. But with traffic in New York versus Chicago, New York, I'm going to say all the lanes are a solid foot narrower than they are anywhere here. Mm. Oh, they are? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, my mother in law was. You notice that, right? Out here in Utah, before you have first class, but when you get to New York, it's like, what happened? Well, it's mean, seriously skinnier. But yeah, I noticed that. Well, Hubbard's Cave went from the New York, the Chicago model to the to the New York model. 
it just kept like I was driving yeah. in and I was like I'm like what is happening because I usually so I usually leave my house at around like 5 45 45 because I only live five miles away but my drive in the mornings have been great because I'm like oh it's like a seven to ten minute drive maybe 12 minutes max right and then I come in today and I'm like okay so I get on the highway I got a, I got a good like half a mile of just like driving 40 or so and then suddenly I'm going 10 and then suddenly I'm going five I'm changing in. I'm okay. Shifting left. I'm like, okay. I guess I'm going shifting, changing left. Okay. And then it happens again. And then it happened again. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> well, my my point is, maybe Tumor is uh, changing the uh, the lane list, right? Remember that he widened the lanes out there in New York. Yeah. Well, but if if you so if you ever drive like take the bus from like a Newark or something and through the tunnels, mostly ladies that are driving these things, and they are so good. Literally, if there's two buses running next to each other, the mirrors can't be more than four inches apart. Are they, hell? Oh, yeah, that's crazy. And, 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 they, and, and, they, and they never flinch. They are, yeah. they are, they are the best drivers I've ever seen. I've I usually ever compare seen. Yeah. drivers in New York, not not in capability, but just like in like proximity, as like how birds fly and they yeah. just somehow don't hit each other all the time. It's so weird. Yeah. But I mean, our, our office here is not that big in New York. This is wide enough for a four lane expressway. Yeah. But I mean, say Hubbard's Cave, they did that. They went from four lanes to five, so and then went you, from five to two this well, morning. Well, but but if you hit an open <laughs> manhole cover and a big big rig, if you've got ten feet on either side to recover, you probably can. But this guy probably mm. was a, a foot and a half from the wall anyway. So when he hits this thing, he's got no he's got no chance to recover without hitting the wall. And he has nowhere to go. He has nowhere to go. So and that's the the poor guy. Now the question is, uh, hell now if he's gonna. Let the city know. Now, the city allegedly, if you bust up a tire in a pothole, you can send them the bill, and sometime in your kid's lifetime, you're going to get this check, right? Now, does this guy have a recourse to the city for this kind of... Well, that's, that's a great argument for privatized roads, because the owner of the road would have to, you know, cover that, that damage, right? Pay for that. But the city it doesn't have, right? I, no. I remember driving through Boston when I was on an internship in my PhD program back in 2003 oh, or Oh, nightmare. There was a big pothole in the bridge, and some guy's car wheel hit it, and the wheel flew. It took the wheel out, because there was a hole in the bridge. Holy crap. It was about two feet in diameter, and his front wheel hit it, and it just knocked the tire off, the wheel, the entire wheel off the car. It was crazy. <laughs> I, hit one, I hit one the other night, that if I wasn't in the three-quarter ton Suburban, which happens to have load-range E-tires and 50 Was it a 1976 no, it's a well, it's, it's the last of the the old models in ninety nine, but but I but I mean I, the tires in it are fifty five pounds per square inch. And I hit this pothole. I literally I'm going to say that any other vehicle, any car hits it, you blow a tire. Yeah, I mean, yeah my, my car I, I almost flat. did. I almost so, did. The tire would come off the rim. But anyway, kind of back to what I was talking about on these on these interest rates. I've explained a few times, and it's kind of complicated, so I'm not going to go crazy with it. But plus, I have hell here if I screw it up. If, if if you if help drops a hundred grand in a bank, Ellie and I get in the house the house business and the, the bank lends us eighty grand to uh, build a house. But the the the, the minute we take the money from the bank, which is really Hal's money, and they got to say they have a twenty percent reserve requirement, which I'm not sure what it is now, but it's probably less than that. They can only lend out eighty on the hundred. All right, so they lend out the eighty. Now Eliani and I get our joint checkbook and we drop it in our the money supply is now one eighty, right right uh, Hal. Because, because it's well, yeah, all you do is you divide the uh, the reserve requirement. So if it's twenty yeah. percent, yeah, you uh, divide that into one, and that becomes the 
uh, the simple multiplier. So, so if the requirement is ten percent, it would be a ten. Right. When it's point two, it's five. Yeah. So, but the but that that's that's theoretically the biggest the multiplier can be. Right. But but what I'm saying the, the the point is is when things are going good and people are are extending credit to people to do stuff. Your money supply grows by itself. So the Fed has yeah. a job to do. Yeah. They have a job to do to re- retard that to a certain point, so it doesn't get out of control. Same way yeah. on the other end. So if you, if you, wherever you're at, Merrill Lynch, PTI Securities. Notice I made those equal. Uh, if if some if you deposited or just say you deposited a thousand shares of IBM here, and you said, well, okay, a thousand shares of IBM is trading uh, what one twenty or something. So it's one hundred twenty thousand bucks. If you were to say I want to take a loan out for thirty grand. You can take a loan out to up to fifty percent of that. So our clearing firm will will go there. What's the term? Hypothecate. They take they pledge that money to the bank. The bank will lend you through RBC and us uh, the forty grand. So now you have a margin loan. You get the check. But now if you put that in another bank, you've just increased the money supply by forty grand, right, Al? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So. So all of a sudden, if IBM stock drops, and I and I call Eliane up, I go, "Hey, you got a margin call? You better send me twenty, and you send a check back through the system. You've essentially decreased the money supply. So to the extent that there are margin loans allegedly going out all over the place in the last couple of weeks, the market's going down. Which yeah, I think there's margin loans going on Bitcoin. That's one reason why Bitcoin's oh, yeah. uh, cratering, right. right? So. He will buy it on margin. Yeah, which is insane because a bank will not give yeah. you that loan. This is from a. Firm. I think I think small investors are buying it with credit cards, hundred percent well, financing. I think, without yeah. mentioning any names, we might have a contributor to the show that somebody's paying. I, I heard. Hell, again, don't take this one to the bank. No pun intended. I heard that you were getting paid nine percent, uh, just flat out, to lend money to these places that are lending people money on Bitcoin. And I've heard that the, that the margin loan rate on the Bitcoin was as much as a tenth of a percent a day, mm. which is a real number, which isn't so good. If it, but the point being is when they start going down, you, you get this sucking sound out of the system. So what I was saying earlier, if the market drops, and again, I'm not predicting, don't want it to happen, drops another 20 or 25%, you're going to find the Fed adding reserves at a huge rate just, just to keep the pool where they want it, even though yeah. they're shrinking the pool. So the, their job is actually very complicated, isn't it? Yeah. Well, right now, the interest on reserves rate, it went from, I have it right here. In March, on March 15th, it went from 0.15 to 0.40 um, March 17th. And then they jacked it from 40, uh, 0.4% in May, on May 4th up to 0.9% on May 7th. So what they're doing is they're lifting the dam so they can hold reserves, more reserves behind the dam, yeah. right? So they're lifting the, the height of the dam up so they can have this bigger pool of reserves held in the banking system. Well, in, in your opinion, I, my guys, I haven't talked to them, uh, plus a couple of them have retired for a while. My guys that were in that business, the Fed pretty much torpedoed the the federal fund system, what the federal fund system is, and uh, um, and Hal just explained a little bit of it, is if, if Hal's chairman of uh, you know whatever Citibank and I'm at Northern Trust, and all of a sudden Citibank, so, somebody maybe takes a whole bunch of money out of Citibank and, de- and deposits it in Northern Trust, well 
Hal's bank may not have enough reserves for that night. All right, yeah. but now Northern Trust, the money went somewhere, right? It didn't disappear, hopefully. It went to Northern Trust. You're a little short on your reserve requirement overnight, and I'm a little long on mine. So you'd call up and you'd say, all right, I need to borrow, you know, $100 million overnight. And that's, that's, that's the float in the system. And I say, sure, I got $100 million. I'll lend it to you, and the rate's 2%, 1.5%, whatever it is. But you only pay for a day, right? But there's still, there's still a rate there. And when they say the federal funds rate, that's what they're talking about. It's the banks, the rate banks charge each other overnight for people that have excess reserves to people who don't, correct? And I think what happened was they put so much money in the system three, four years ago, and they have had the whole time, that the Fed was paying interest for you to send the money back to the Fed overnight. So I think they, yeah. I think for a long period of time, how there, there basically was no federal fund system. Well, a little bit worse, though, is that interest on reserves is, it's, it's a binding price floor. Yeah. And that's why the Fed's balance sheet is so big. Because during 2008, uh, they fast-forwarded the implementation of it from 2011 to 2008 to help combat the housing bubble crisis. Because they were going to have to buy so many uh, mortgage-backed securities that the federal funds rate would have went negative if they did those massive purchases. So they had to put in place a price floor, which is interest on reserve. Yeah. And they just looked at it to almost one percentage point. And they did that on May 9th. Oh, they did that today, I guess. Yeah. Today's, today's May 10th. <laughs> I didn't even know oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, they've... You know, today was May 10th. Well, when, when, whenever, today they raised it to 10.9%. But whenever you, you kind of screw up in one place... What does it mean? I keep looking for the, the, the phrase. There's the, I'm going to say the Asian philosopher. I don't know who the hell it was. It says no man can do one thing. If you screw one place up, then you got to you got to do something else to fix it, and something else to fix well, that's, that. That's what Hayek says. That's what Hayek says. When government intervenes with an intervention, it might create a bunch of negative consequences, right? So if it only if it only creates two consequences, now it's got to come up with two policy solutions. For those two negative consequences, but then when it intervenes, then it might create four consequences, right. and those four become eight, and those eight become sixteen, those sixteen become thirty-two, etc., etc., etc. That's why the Federal Registry has grown exponentially, in my opinion. Right. It's it's almost like somebody. I, I keep making these human body references to a governmental policy, but it's almost like if if you get on two or three prescription drugs, then one of them is bothering you. And the doctor says, well, here, take this. It'll counteract what the one's doing bad to you. Then that does something. Pretty soon you got this row of drugs in front of you, and you're, really, you're almost better off if you take two-thirds of them, not a right two-thirds, and just and flush them all down the toilet. I mean, it's, a, it's almost at a point where federal government, you and I, I think, agree that we could probably go through the register and just take, you know, a 1,000 programs and just wing them, and, and nobody knows the I, I think the, the problem with the federal register, you know, regulation itself is, they're constantly issuing regulations, and these new regulations, if to comply with them, you're probably violating regulations that were put in place eight years ago. Yeah, right? how long does it take? So then if, if you're a critic of the government, they can probably go back and find regulations that you violate. Oh, yeah. While you're trying to comply with uh, current regulations, right? Well, yeah, I got a question. It, I mean, it's I, a really hard problem to, to comply. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accuse you of being a Washingtonite, even though I know you're not. Uh, what is the problem? I mean, we just, you and I are big on processes, right? That's so why we just tried to explain, you know, the uh, margin loan process, the money supply process. Because if you don't know the process, kind of your opinion is sort of not 
you know, doesn't really know a whole hell of a lot. Uh, but everybody's got one, right? They're like noses. The what, what is the procedure, and how long does it take, and who does it? Somebody somebody passes the uh, whatever the infrastructure bill. Pick a pick a bill, and the thing's two thousand pages long. How does anybody even know? I mean, unless you, do, well, I'm sure they all got a lobbyist somewhere in every line of the damn thing. How does somebody even know that that they're affected? How long does it take? How many creatures in government does it take to take this pile of stuff, somehow print it in some registry in some place, organize it, and realize that that you know Hal's RV is in here and he gets two grand towards a new air conditioner and it gets better mileage or something in the RV? How do how do you even how, how do they even work their way through? How would you even know that you're that your business is in there. I mean, if you're big enough and you had the lobbyist, obviously you know. But how long does it take for the damn thing to just even, you know, how many government employees does it take to deal with a 2,000-page bill and get them somewhere? Hey, the, hey, we got to write, you know, 20,000 checks here. Who do, you, who do you send that over to the next guy? How do you ju- how do you justify the check? How, how does he even know the amount? Of, the whole the whole process to me seems fascinating, how, how it even happens. Well, you know, um, I think the best way to talk about that is, my sister, I go through this New York City restaurant inspection data in, with a program called MongoDB. It's a NoSQL. Um, it's like kind of like unstructured data. And we're going through it, and, and, and <coughs> there were bureaucrats that work for the city put the information into it, right? So some put Kentucky Fried Chicken in as Kentucky Fried Chicken. Some put it in as KFC. Some put it in as KFC slash Taco Bell slash uh, something else, right? And then, then on top of that, when you look at the grades that are being given to these New York City restaurants, a vast majority of them are A's. And I've been to these New York City restaurants. I find restaurants I've been to, and they're being given A's for cleanliness. And I'm thinking to myself, there must be chief standards for cleanliness. New York cleanliness and Utah cleanliness. These, these restaurants aren't clean enough to get an A record, right? So I think I, it's just, you know, I think when you have all these bureaucrats working for an agency, they're just kind of going through it and just logging it in, right? With, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, which is why you need a bigger and bigger civilian workforce. I mean, I, I, I that's something I can think of, right? It's just, it's not a market system. It's a government system. Well, and their job is to catalog all of this stuff, and they just do it, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And these bills are being written not by the politicians. You know, I don't think these politicians are writing these bills. You know, it's, I think you're right. The lobbyists are writing these bills. They get together, and they just kind of, yeah. you know, they, they're on one side of the political aisle. They just stuff with all kinds of stuff. The politicians probably don't even read it. I mean, I don't want to read it. But I, I guarantee you they're not reading it. It's like, look at the term papers done by some dude that's selling them for, selling them on the internet, right? They're in college and they, they need a term paper so they go online somewhere and some guy writes them the term paper and they turn it in, right? Well, it's, it's, it's funny what people... going on in Capitol Hill. I mean, you, you mentioned it, the restaurant cleanliness and when I was a, a youth, I don't know why I'm doing this historical stuff today, but once I'm on a roll, I'm, I guess I'm on a roll. Uh, we used to drive, we didn't go very far from vacation, you know, a couple hundred miles, get in the car and go. And uh, so we're talking the 50s, early 60s. And my, my mom, you know, if, if well, there's two boys and my stepfather. I mean, I'm not going to go to one of anatomy lessons, but 
the males don't really care all, all that much how, how how dirty the bathroom is. <laughs> But the, the women do, right? <laughs> because it's, a, you know, whatever. Oh, I know. I know. Because, I have two brothers. So my my mother would always say, you know, what, I don't care where we stop for lunch, but it better have a clean bathroom type of thing. And so <laughs> so we'd find some, you know, reasonably nice place and hope. And if, we, and if it didn't, you know, we're, that's scratched off the list if we're ever going to that city again. Well, when, when McDonald's came on the map, I mean, Ray Kroc was convinced that when people were going to travel across the country, they needed a place and he was a, a, a fanatic about the bathroom. And when he would, would walk in to give an inspection without even waving to the counter people, he'd head right for the ladies' can. And if it wasn't yep. spotless, because his point was, when you're going across country, you can stop anyone, and the place will be spotless, it'll be safe, the food will be clean, yep. and by the way, the place is spotless. And, and you know what? People didn't care what it tasted like. Because yeah. I mean, it, it, but it, it, but he looked at that as a marketing plus. Yeah, I mean, to this well, day, do, Tom, don't stop at a gas station in New Jersey. Don't do it because you open that door. Oh yeah, the thing hasn't been cleaned in twenty years. Oh yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you you and I can put up with it. Your, your girlfriend or wife yeah. is not going to, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, I mean, that's just the way the world is. <laughs> God made yeah. us that way. I can't. You know what am I going to tell you? But um, so hell, here here we are. We got a couple minutes left. What? Is the market going to pause here? Is it? Is it? I've seen so many stocks go. They're down to a third of what they were, and now they're in a, a PE ratio that I, I think probably is legit. I mean, le- historically legit doesn't mean they won't go back up. Uh, how much further do you think we have to go? Is it? Are we? Are we talking about a two thousand where we're down like eighty percent, or we're down twenty five percent in the QQQ since the beginning of the year? You think? Well, we're up a little bit today, so so say it's twenty three percent. Um, what, what's your number? Are, are we okay here? Are we going to flatten out here? Are we got more to go? Are we going to rally from here? What, what, are you, what are you guessing? Well, to me, just tell me what the Fed does, right? It's a big if. What, what is the Fed going to do? Is it, is it can continue to raise interest rates? Um, also, our, you know, if you look at gasoline, <coughs> if you look at shale gasoline in America, uh, the top 20 returning firms in the SP 500, I think most of them are companies like Occidental, Valero, Marathon. They're doing really well. They're not ramping up production because they're a little uncertain about the future, right? Right. So I think if, if you want to play it safe, I think you play it safe with these companies that are um, in the, the sale, right? Like Conoco, ExxonMobil. So I think that's where you want to play it safe, I would think, right? I would because think gas so. prices are all-time highs, crude oil prices... Crude prices and gasoline prices have been, become uncoupled because refineries have uh, shuttered. The older ones have shuttered, and they're not really building new ones. So I don't see any capacity coming out. So refinery refineries they have a, they have decoupled the gasoline price from the crude oil price. So I think that might be a good place to uh, put money right now. Honestly, if the Fed keeps doing what it's doing, you look at the margin. Debt compared to 2008, 2009, it could get really, really ugly. Yeah, it's so, ugly. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I probably, if I could, be, if I had money to put anywhere, I'd be putting it into uh, companies that are in the shale. That's what I'd be putting it. Um, would you be going if you if you can find out? Would you want one that's more gas versus oil, or the other way around? What's that? Would you like more natural gas versus oil? I and mean, they all do both, but some do more of one than the other. Well, I think I think with the 
the refineries giving them gasoline. Like I said, they're not really building new refineries, and they've closed down refineries. Yeah, oh yeah. Which has caused gasoline prices to go up much faster than crude oil. I'd probably be in gasoline right now. Okay. That's what I'd be. So you like yeah. refineries too. All right, I'll thank I, you very much. If buddy. I had money, if, By the way, you sound yeah. much better this week. You must have a new uh, system out there. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Don't give everybody F's, you know. Even if they don't know any economics, you got to pass somebody. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, SP Futures up 56 now, and ASF Futures up 275. We're back almost half of what we lost yesterday. Uh, be back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.